prayer uh, because of my Lyme's disease. Um, which I, I just hope that just being here this morning and having a conversation just speaks to the faithfulness of God. I don't understand it. This is, I, 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 don't, I don't think I can stress this enough. This is not possible. This is not possible. I was a vegetable in my basement alone in the dark. I, I could not, I, lo- I lost everything. This is not this, so to be here, to have this time with you, we are forever indebted of your prayers. God answers prayer. I wouldn't be here today if he didn't answer prayer. I don't even know why I'm here today. I mean, I know, but you know. <laughs> and it's amazing, you know, because we've been here so often, right? So like, this is about the fifth time, um, which I was kind of confused because every single time we've come, whether it be with the band or my family, we've stayed at the Stewart's. So I didn't realize this, but Diane, she handed me a card when we entered this time because it's, been, it's now five times, so we've accumulated enough visits where we can now start getting reward points. <laughs> you know. So I thought that was neat. I can, you know, book my flight and my car, and it's, not, you know, it's great. But you guys have just been so gracious to us, and, and really we're, uh, we're just incredibly thankful. So... You know, let, let, me, let me just try to, well, you know what, let me pray. And then we'll just, we'll get right to it. All right? I really, really didn't start, I mean, I, you know, it, it came to the point I started to lose, I couldn't move my arms. I would, I, would, I would lose the ability to walk. I couldn't form thoughts in my head. You know, it would be like an equation, one plus one equals two. I'd get to like one plus and I forgot what the first number was. Some of you are experiencing that. That's just old age. Listen, it's okay, all right? But, yeah. but you know, and, and it was just so frustrating because I was just I was trapped in my own body. I couldn't do anything about it. There was no like pulling myself up by my own bootstraps to make it better, to make it happen. I couldn't make nothing happen. And I remember going to the doctor because I was really messed up. And I'm not look. I'm a guy, right? And guys, you know, right? We don't go to the doctor, right? I'm going to take the hill. How am I going to take the hill? I don't know. I'm going to crawl, you know. Like this, before I go to the doctor, you know, we're going to take the hill. I couldn't take the hill. I wasn't moving at all, right? So I go to the doctor, and, uh, you know, we had, a, we had a conversation, right? And I went to the guy. Ever been to the guy who's supposed to know everything, right? I went to the guy, the specialist. And he looked at me. He spent like three minutes with me. I didn't realize at the time that the amount of time that doctors spend with you is dictated by how good your insurance is. <laughs> I think I got three minutes of his time. I... I'm guessing that we weren't really like really you know up there with the medical coverage, but so he spent three minutes with me, came back and basically said, "Well, I hate to tell you, I hate to tell you this, I think you have lupus." And uh, you know the way things are, you know, deteriorating, you, you may only have a couple months. That's what he said to me. But hey, you know, I got you know, but I got a cure. I got a couple, uh, you know, I got you know some pills. You take some pills. And he told me the ramifications or the consequences of those pills. Like one of them would cause blindness, uh, one of them could cause kidney failure, and one of them was a steroid I'd been on because I had back problems, and uh, it made me lose my mind. You know, I was an emotional wreck. You know, I was like this, and then weeping, and like, I mean, it was just out of control. So, so you can imagine that led to a little conversation with the Lord. You know, we just talked about ABF wrestling with God. I wrestled with God in my car a little bit, or we just had a conversation, and I made a deal with God. Okay, God, here's the deal. I am not going out of this world blind, crazy, and peeing in a bag. So if you want to take my life, take it. 
right now. Just take it. You know, it wouldn't be much longer than you know after that. I don't even know how, but by grace, you know, we were just every Sunday I'd show up, I'd preach, I'd go home, and I would just be a vegetable. Got to the point where I had to resign. Weeping. You know, because those were five hard years invested in the church that we served at. I just, I was weeping in front of them. You know, you know when life doesn't turn out the way you thought it was? Supposed to? So I was weeping in front of them and I just remember, uh, I just remember getting home and, and I was in the basement and I, and I did. I, just, I wasn't suicidal. I just pleaded with God just to take my life. I just want to go home. You ever have that feeling? I just want to go, I just want to go be with Jesus. I am done with this. You know what really did that and what set that off? I could hear my, my daughter. She had just been born or it wasn't, she wasn't that old. I could hear her running, um, running around upstairs without any energy or desire to even hold her because I was, I was not. Three months after I resigned, the church closed its doors. <laughs> you know what's great about this? See, you ready for this? See, I'm not... I've said this the whole weekend. I'll say it again. It'll go on record. It'll go on your website. I'm not here to get a job. Because I'm not your hometown hero. I'm not bringing you my resume and going, look how successful I was. I built the church. I built nothing. And that poses a lot more questions than it does answers. It never diminished my passion to serve. I always wanted to, you know, I don't know why God has, for His good pleasure, crafted me to be a communicator and a teacher. But there was a time, a significant amount of time, I couldn't open my mouth because I couldn't talk. <laughs> that was an interesting conversation with God. Hey God, I thought all the people said that I was a good communicator. I was supposed to do this and this is how I was going to serve the body of Christ. But I can't move my mouth. I can't open it. I can't form a thought. I can't walk. And you kind of need your arms and your legs to play the drums. So if I can't do that, what exactly do you want me to do? And then I had another conversation with God. I said, okay, here's the deal. I'll do three things. God, are you okay? I asked him this. I really did. I asked him this. God, are you okay if I just, if I love my wife, if I love my kids, and I love my neighbor? And I really did say this to him. I, I, I qualified that. I said, no, the guy right next door, because two, two houses up, I don't have enough energy. <laughs> but the guy right next door, whoever, right? My, can I just do that? Are you okay with it? I, I asked God that. Are you okay with that? I think he laughed. I don't, does he laugh? I don't know. But he maybe a smirk or something. You know, maybe I just got this, well, you just don't get it yet. Maybe that's what you were supposed to be doing the whole time. And everything else was just, Whatever. And then I had a really neat encounter. That's where we're going today, right? You needed all that because this is what led up to this. And th I can't make this stuff up, right? So, I, you know, one thing that I didn't do uh, during, you know, when I was really sick is I couldn't sleep. You know, I just couldn't sleep. And so I'd be up, and so, you know, this is like two in the morning. I can't sleep. I grab my Bible and I go out onto the back patio. And it was kind of like one of those that you ever just kind of open, open the book? Because you don't know what else to do. You just open the book. 
So I opened the book. Guess what I, so I, the book of Job. <laughs> so if you're looking for some light devotional reading, I mean, this is, you know, this is where you want to be, right? So here I am in the book of Job. Fantastic. Job chapter 1. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn there. Yikes. Job chapter 1. And this is all I want to do. We read, you know, we read through the text. I have a couple thoughts in that just one point. One thing. For our consideration this morning. Okay? Just one thing. But if you would, Job chapter 1. Uh, starting in verse 1, and I'm just going to read. There was a man in the land of us whose name was Job, and that man was blameless, upright, fearing God, and turning away from evil. Seven sons and three daughters were born to him. His possessions also were 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, 500 female donkeys, and very many servants. And that man was the greatest of all the men of the East. His sons used to go and hold a feast in the house of each one on his day. And they would send an invite uh, and invite their three sisters to eat and drink with them. When the days of feasting had completed their cycle, Job would send and consecrate them, rising up early in the morning and offering burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job said, perhaps my sons have sinned, and cursed God in their hearts. Thus Job did continually. Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came along among them. The Lord said to Satan, From where do you come? And Satan answered the Lord and said, From roaming about on the earth and walking around on it. The Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? For there is no one like him on the earth a blameless and upright man, fearing God and turning away from evil. Then Satan answered the Lord, Does Job fear God for nothing? Have you not made a hedge about him and his house and all that he has on every side? You have blessed the work of his hands, and his possessions have increased in the land. But put forth your hand now and touch all that he has. He will surely curse you to your face. The Lord said to Satan, Behold, all that he has is in your power only do not put forth your hand on him. So Satan departed from the presence of the Lord. Now on the day when his sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house, a messenger came to Job and said, The oxen were plowing, the donkeys feeding beside them, and the Sabaeans attacked and took them. They also slew the servants with the edge of the sword. And I alone have escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking... Another also came and said, The fire of God fell from heaven and burned up the sheep and the servants and consumed them, and I alone have escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another also came and said, The Chaldeans formed three bands and made a raid on the camels and took them and slew the servants with the edge of the sword, and I alone have escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, Another also came and said, Your sons and your daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house, and behold, a great wind came from across the wilderness and struck the four corners of the house, and it fell on the young people, and they died. 
And I alone have escaped to tell you. And Job arose and tore his robe and shaved his head and fell to the ground and worshipped. He said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I shall return there. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Through all this, Job did not sin, nor did he blame God. Again, there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came among them to present himself before the Lord. The Lord said to Satan, Where have you come from? And Satan answered the Lord and said, Well, from roaming about on the earth and walking around on it. The Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? There is no one like him on earth, a blameless and upright man, fearing God and turning away from evil. And he still holds fast his integrity, although you incited me against him to ruin him without cause. Okay, hold your finger there, all right? Because then what happens? Well, Satan goes back, inflicts Job with boils. Remember that? He's taking shards of pottery and scraping them till they're oozing, right? Isn't this a great message right before lunch, right? Oozing boils, right? And, and then he gets the greatest marital advice counsel that you know, any man could ever receive, right? In this situation, his wife, curse God and die, right? <laughs> and then his friends show up and they sit in the ashes with him and they don't speak a word. Verse 13 of chapter 2, then they sat down on the ground with him for seven days and seven nights with no one speaking a word to him, for they saw that his pain was very great. We get to the end of the book. I want to go do this all first and then I'm going to come back, right? We get to the end of the book, 37 chapters. That's not the end of the book, but 37 chapters, God is silent. I don't know if you look at your life in terms of chapters, but I wonder if there's a significant season of life where you have asked God over and over and over and over again questions and you still don't have an answer. Funny enough, God never gives him necessarily an answer. He asks him, he turns it around and he asks Job a question. And it has to do with the power and the authority and the majesty of God. Remember this? This conversation? God says to Job, where were you when I created the foundations of the world? Where were you when I put Leviathan in the sea? Where were you when, you know, who organized and, and, and put together the, the seasons, that, I love this, you know, the goats that mate up there on the mountain. I mean, it's just, I mean, he goes into everything, right? Where were you when I put the stars in the heavens and I named them all? By the way, those things came out of my mouth. He didn't say, but they came out of his mouth when he spoke them into existence, right? Where were you when all that happened? And Job's, Job's response is very interesting. He says, you know, basically, this is what he says. He's going to take my hand, I'm going to put it over my mouth. I'm going to take this hand, I'm going to put it over my mouth, and I am not going to say a thing. I am, what does he say? He says, I am insignificant. But the truth is, is that Job was not insignificant. In relation to the awesomeness and the power and the majesty of God. See, the significance of man has nothing to do with that conversation. Everything in this universe is pointing toward the supreme worship of God and God alone. 
And that is in spite of our circumstances. In spite of our circumstances. And it's not that your life or my life is insignificant. It's not that your pain doesn't matter. It's not that what I was going... Now listen, here's the thing, and I really have to say this, right? I am not Job. I mean, there's really not much to compare here. I don't see, I don't even know what it means to lose a child. See, I don't know. I don't know, I just don't know. You know, Job loses everything. And, then, and things are said about him. He, he still, he, he maintains and holds his integrity. But this is what really messed me up at 2 o'clock in the morning. I kid you not, this is my testimony, right? So I just have to share it, right? Knowing all that, because, you know, I'm a Bible student, right? So I know, okay, I know the book. I know the whole book. But I got to this point. I, I read this verse. I read this verse. Verse 3. Well, let, let, let me go back a little bit before I get to that verse, right? Because, because first of all, you know, this conversation, first of all, Job doesn't even, Job is not privy to this conversation, Right? He has no idea why these things are transpiring. And if you're an Old Testament kind of guy, right? Old Testament usually, typically, right? The way it's designed is if you are obedient, you are what? Blessed. And if you are disobedient, you are what? Cursed. So this really throws a wrench in the process because I have a righteous guy, right? I have Job. He's not only taking care of himself, but he's also making sacrifices just in case his children have sinned. He's not like just doing the the status quo. He's going above and beyond. And he's got a lot of stuff, but he still loves God. He still serves Him, right? So so you got all these things leading up. So there's a conversation Job is not privy to. And I, I, it's, I just find this interesting. I, want, I do want to point this out. That, you know, when, when Satan is given permission to bring affliction upon Job, and all of these things transpire, and Job is like, you know, he gets to the end. I mean, after he hears about his kids, he just says, you know, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away, right? I've, naked I came into the world, naked I'm going to leave. I came with nothing, I'm going to leave with nothing. And then the conversation happens again in the throne room. I just find this interesting that in chapter 2, verse 1, again, there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord and Satan also came among them to present himself to the Lord before the Lord. The Lord said to Satan, where have you come from? And Satan answered the Lord and said, "Eh, from roaming about on the earth and walking around on it. You know what he doesn't do? I just find this interesting. He doesn't say anything about Job. So Satan, what have you been up to? I just wrecked that man's life. (laughs) He doesn't even bring him up. I mean, I just find that interesting. I mean, God just gave him permission. I mean, did you see? I mean, and if there's anyone on the face of the earth or under the earth, right, that's going to boast or be prideful, wouldn't you think it would be Satan? Wouldn't this be where the pride would really kick in? Man, did you see? I wrecked him. I destroyed him. I wonder if he's not boasting because it didn't achieve the outcome that even Satan thought it was supposed to. Right? Isn't he the one that made the bribe? Take his stuff, he'll curse you. Job does not curse him. And I am not Job. I don't, I, I don't... 
Well, I don't think there was, like, I didn't curse God, but there were a lot of questions. <laughs> you ever been in that place, right? And it wasn't even that there were a lot of questions. It's a real, it's a real, it's a real difficult place when you get to the place where you start losing hope. Hope is a powerful thing. The absence of hope is a powerful thing toward destruction. And I can't make this up. This is, this is what happened, right? So I, I'm reading this and I'm, I'm processing this and I'm, I'm seeing all these things happen. You know, in verse 3, the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? For there is no one like him on earth, a blameless and upright man, fearing God, turning away from evil, and he still holds fast his integrity, although you incited me against him to ruin him without cause. I read that verse and I said, "What? hold on. Hold on. God, what are you saying? This is how, I, in the moment, God, what are you saying? You did this? You did this? The righteous man who serves you, who sacrifices, who goes about, this is, this is, this, you did this? You incited, this was, you you did this? I took the book and I threw it. Two o'clock in the morning, now 2.30, on, the, on my back porch and my patio, I took the book and I threw it. I have never been so angry. I had never been so beside myself in reading the Word of God than I was in that moment. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know where to run. Who am I going to turn to? I mean, God, this is, this is how the righteous get, this is how they get treated? This is how this whole thing's going to go down? Forget it. Forget it. I'm done. You know, only God. Maybe this is, I don't know if this happened in your life. This is how it happened with me. I don't think there's ever been a time where I was so angry. I mean, I just didn't know what to do. I was beside myself and just, I, I was overwhelmed and perplexed. I, I had nowhere to go. I had nowhere to run. I just didn't know where I was going to, where do I go now? But God said, well, you know, He was for me, not against me, but I'm reading this. I'm going, but this isn't how it all plays out. And I kid you not, right? Because Job, the end of the book, that's why I started with that. At the end of the book, God asked Job a question. He asked him a question. It was a very legitimate question. Where were you when? I got a different question. I can't make this up because I'm not smart enough to come up with this stuff on my own, right? You know, another confession. I'm Polish, right? But so I'm not, I, you know, I just speak slowly, draw pictures, use color. You know, I mean, you know, so, so, you know, so here I am just absolutely just, ah, you know, what, ah, and, 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 and this, this question. Now, was it like the audible voice of God? I don't know. It just, it just, you ever have something just kind of fall on you? It just, you just, it enters your mind. God interrupts my little tirade and he asks me a question. You want to know what the question was? I can't make this up. God says to me, so will. What made Job righteous? That was the question. What made Job righteous? And I can't, I, I, 
I was so, I was shaking. Have you ever, you just so, I was shaking. And I went from being so enraged and so angry and without anything, I couldn't put anything together. I went from that to I was on my knees. I started weeping. I lost it. I mean, I lost it. I just started weeping before God because immediately I understood the question. Only God, right? Go all the way back to the chapter 1. Chapter 1, verse 1. You realize this is how the book begins? There was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job. And that man was blameless, upright, fearing God, and turning away from evil. If I understand the Bible correctly, and I understand how this works, it's no different in the Old Testament than it was in the New. There is absolutely, positively, no way for a man to become righteous before the Lord unless there has been a declarative act from heaven of God saying and displacing and putting on the righteousness that He has upon that man. It's nothing that you and I can earn or deserve or work up to. None of that stuff, right? So, so God asks me the question, so what made Job righteous? And you know what I came to terms with? I said, well, the only way that Job could be righteous is because you made him righteous. Because who among us are, uh, seeks the Lord? Who among us desires the things of God? Oh yeah, that's what the Apostle... Not one of us. And then I realized that the greatest transaction that could have ever happened has already taken place. Job already received the greatest gift that heaven could ever bestow upon a man. He was right before God. And it, you know why it happens in verse 1? Because it's irrelevant how the rest of the book is written. Can you hear that this morning? It doesn't, it's not that it doesn't matter because it matters to God, but it doesn't matter. Because some of those mountains that you want moved may not ever get moved. Some, like God does not, He did not have to heal me. I came to terms with that. I just said, God, I've already received Jesus. If everything else goes down the toilet, then it all goes down the toilet. What else does God owe me? What else, does, what else do I need to receive? I have Jesus. And I know it's the, the weirdest thing, but it put me in this place of just worship. I went from being enraged and angry and saying, God, you did this. You fix it. And you know what God said? He goes, well, I just did. Because now I'm on my knees worshiping Him. <laughs> because of who Jesus is, not who I am or what I'm going to do or what I think I should do or what my dreams are or any of that stuff. Who cares about that stuff? I have Jesus. I am righteous because of the blood of the Lamb. It doesn't matter how the rest of the story gets written. And yet, at the same time, do you realize it, mer it matters greatly? Like God really does care. And He really is working all things out. 
He is working it all out to the good of those who love Him. He really does have a plan. He, even if you're in the wilderness, even if you're in the fog, even if nothing, nothing makes sense, But I would encourage you this morning, as God encouraged me, if you have received Christ, you have already received the greatest gift that heaven could ever bestow upon a man. There's nothing else that is owed to you. There's nothing else that changes your eternal destination. It is Jesus. If you know Jesus, you can trust Him. The gift of salvation is unbelievable. Do you realize it was just such a raw deal? God really lost in that transaction. He bought people who are broken and even in Christ still act like sheep. (laughs) Worshiping other things. Going in other directions. Not giving Him our full attention. And He loves us anyways. Yeah, I I don't get it. I don't think I'm supposed to. That's not supposed to fit in your theology box. I want to sit down and have a cup of coffee. Tell me about the expanse of the love of God. I, do. I just hope you will always remain in awe of that and humbled. This changed my life. You know, Because I shouldn't be standing here. You know, I know you haven't walked my journey, right? But I'm just telling you, like, this, should not, this is not a reality. And yet, here I am. And he didn't have to. But he did. And I don't know why. Five years ago, we would come and serve in a band-like ministry. We'd get to meet you guys, and i get to come back. we get to talk about this. See, I don't know. And he was doing something. I don't even know what he's doing. I've given up trying to know. I mean, I just go, okay, God, just you do it. you got to do it. You do whatever you need to do. Because I don't understand. And I don't know if I, if I need to. The only thing that we need to understand this morning, or maybe not even be, maybe you don't even get to understand, maybe you just get to be overwhelmed by the love and the grace that has been bestowed upon us because of Jesus. And life does not dictate the capacity in which God loves us. Your circumstances, your situations, your burden, your struggle, your brokenness does not dictate the capacity at which God loves you. He loves you. It's amazing. So thank you for your time this morning. I'm going to pray. The worship team is going to come up. They're going to do something. Then Ken's going to close the service in prayer. All right, but let me just pray. Gracious God, um, I just thank you for our time together this morning. I thank you for your people. I thank you for your word. Kind of raw this morning because that question, that question was a haunting question. What made Job righteous? He was declared right and blameless and holy before you, before any of those circumstances transpired. God, I'm thankful that uh, in your declaring us righteous and drawing us unto yourself, there are circumstances that you have prevented from happening in our lives, from decisions and destructive behavior that we have because we've been introduced to Jesus and his power and the cross. 
And I pray, Lord, that somehow in the midst of the valley, in the midst of the wilderness, when things are not clear, when there is pending, or it feels like pending doom, and our own brokenness gets in the way, all of these things, God, somehow the light of Christ shines brightly through these things. And we are quickly reminded of our salvation. It's interesting, Lord, that that is part of the body armor that we were instructed to put on in the book of Ephesians. The helmet of salvation. Like, we're never supposed to forget that. Because I believe, God, that maybe the enemy and one of his greatest um, desires would be that we would forget where our righteousness comes from. We would forget the power of the cross. And we would trade it all in. I pray, Lord, that you would keep us fervent in our, in our minds and our thinking of the greatness of God and the love that you have for us. Bless us now as we go or we complete this, the rest of this service to your glory and your honor. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.